Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Coming up on KCLR Live this morning with Brian Redmond, Sinn Féin spokesperson on education. Sorka Clark TD is visiting Carlo and Kilkenny today. And she's visiting us too. We'll be asking for her thoughts on what education might look like for a potential Sinn Féin government. Carlo Cricket Club, well, they've just been crowned champions of the 2023 Ed Sports Russell's Court Trophy. Jimmy Dooley and Mohammed Rafiki will be telling us about that success. Garda Lisa Mullins is here for Community Assist. And around about 10 past 11, Dr. Coleman Nocter, a child and adolescent psychoanalytical analytical psychotherapist um, on his new book entitled Four to Seven Zone. We'll be finding out exactly what that four to seven zone is. That and more after the news at 10. Read for you this morning by Ashton Bolton Dowling. Good morning and welcome along to KCLR Live. As always, our free phone number is 1800 You can text or WhatsApp us at any point between now and 12 o'clock. Are the dinners ready? Text the WhatsApp line 083 306 Siobhan and the team are ready to answer your calls. And of course, you can email us KCLR Live at kclr96fm.com. It's a little bit, uh, bit greyer out there this morning than it has been over the previous few days, but nevertheless, temperatures still high and uh, people in enjoying this uh, Indian summer but technically apparently it's not an Indian summer because an Indian summer isn't until we have a heat wave that follows the first frost of the year but nevertheless whether it's an Indian summer or not I do hope you're all enjoying the weather out there what have we got for you over the next couple of hours well just in a couple of moments time I'll be speaking to the Sheen Fane spokesperson on education Sorka Clark TD she's visiting Carlo and Kilkenny today and she's also visiting us and I suppose to cap the whole interview up we'll be asking her in one question uh, what would education look like under a potential Sinn Féin government that coming your way in a few moments time Carlo Cricket Club recent successes we'll be finding out where they're going and how those successes have been created Jimmy Dooley and Mohammed Rafiki will be in studio with us we've got community assist Dr Coleman Nocter on his new book The 4 to 7 Zone and Erica Cody having just performed on the EP stage with many of Ireland's top female singers as part of Women in Harmony What's brought all these performers together in such solidarity in what is generally a very competitive industry? We'll be finding out um, Erica's thoughts on that. Did she enjoy Electric Picnic and what she has planned for the future? Now, um, sad news reaching us again this morning. A a man has died following a two-vehicle collision on the N80 in Greg Nishpidog in Carlow. And I'm joined on the phone line by uh, Superintendent Anthony Farrell. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Brian. Um, so I suppose just give us the details of the incident that occurred this morning. Yeah, so unfortunately, look, another tragedy on our roads. Um, just after half six th- this morning in Gordish Connick, Harlow, we're advised of a, a fatal road traffic collision, and it's in the town of Gregness Bidog. People are familiar with Carlow Town. It's, it's on the Wexford Road, and it's just the, the Carlow side of, of Gregness Bidog Junction. car was travelling in the direction of Carlow and uh, collided with an oncoming lorry. So obviously our sincere sympathies to the family of the deceased that they're going through a process of notification at the moment. And really just the purpose of, of this media appeal is to look for witnesses. Anybody who might have been in the area past at the time might have dash cam footage. We'd ask to please provide them to Gadge Khan and Carlo. And Anthony, how is the other person that was involved in, in the accident? Um, how are they getting on? Yeah, look, th- thankfully they, they weren't seriously injured. They weren't injured at all. In fact, just minor injuries, but certainly was very traumatised by the incident situation, as, as anybody would be. Unfortunately, it's becoming far too prevalent on our roads. We're well familiar with all the incidents that happened most recently in Tipperary. 
and uh, look the efforts of a Garda Chicano is continue to try and make our roads safer we'd ask people to drive carefully watch the speed limit wear safety belts never ever drink and drive because it's just it's just it's too sad every single statistic behind every one of them there's there's a victim and we're just conscious of that and our thoughts are with the, the, the family of, of this in this case the deceased or indeed anybody affected by road traffic fatalities well said, same, our thoughts and everybody here at KCL are thinking about the victim um, and their family this morning. Um, obviously there's road works currently in place on the N80 and that uh, stretch of the road where the accident occurred is obviously currently closed. Um, but it's a fairly renowned stretch of the N80. There's been a serious number of quite serious incidents on that particular stretch over the last number of months and years. Yeah, I suppose over the years there has been a number of of, um, of accidents that have taken place out there. We're working in, in close collaboration with our partners in the local authority and from an engineering perspective looking at different solutions and possibilities uh, where possible, where road layout is a factor. Um, there has been roads improvements, as you said, uh, certainly on the, more the Carlos side of where that particular accident occurred. And look, we're going to look at this accident as we do with all serious accidents with senior roads engineers to see if road layout is a factor and look at engineering solutions because really we, we can work with our stakeholders and partners as much as we want driver behaviour is down to the individual and we just have to, to appeal to people who are behind the wheel of the car to, to drive carefully you can see the prevalence at national level where they're looking at speed limits and looking at reducing speed limits to, uh, to a level that, that if there is an impact there wouldn't be fatality but it's just far too many fatalities in the roads this is the third now so far involving the roads in Carlo, thankfully there was no fatality last year, the year before, we have to go back to 2020 when there was three fatalities but look, it's, it's just too many, the experience of guards having to go to the door of a house and tell somebody that their, their son or daughter has been in a fatal road traffic collision it's just, it's horrific, I wouldn't wish it on anybody and just we'd ask people just to exercise caution uh, when, when using the roads and uh, equally if anybody has any information connected with the road, the road fatality this morning please contact Carlo Guard Station yeah, as you said, three fatalities in Carlow already this year and it only the 6th of September. Hopefully, please God, fingers crossed, that is the last of it. But just finally, before I let you go, Superintendent, um, obviously discussions commencing this morning about the potential reduction of speed limits right across the country. Um, it was suggested that it may take until the end of 2024 to have such reductions in place. Um, is it all going to fall down to education um, to try and do everything we possibly can in the interim? Yeah, I suppose enforcement is one dimension of what we do, but there's also education engagement where we're reaching out to stakeholders and partners, and equally from the education perspective, as you raised, just trying to get that road safety message out, trying to reach to particularly younger drivers who seem to be the cohort or profile that are statistically more prevalent and involved in traffic accidents. Lots of different avenues are being explored at national level and at government level in trying to support safer roads. We, from our side, will fully support any initiative or, or anything, in fact, that will make roads safer and reduce fatalities or even serious injury accidents. Uh, people are very busy. The people, I'm not sure people's minds are fully on the road all the time. Life has got so busy. Maybe you have two people at home at work. We're, we're, we're constantly moving, looking to, to collect kids, looking to, to, to maybe look after an elderly parent, check in in neighbours, whatever. We're go, go, go. But sometimes that leads to less concentration on the roads. So, like, we, we can look at speed limits and absolutely, if it's going to... To, to bring uh, incidents of, of fatal and indeed serious injuries down. Let, let's see it, let's try it, because obviously the, the, the things that have been tried over the last number of years aren't fully working, and, and that's borne out by the increase in, in statistics. You can see at a national level the piece that's coming out saying that there has to be more of a focus, and uh, look, and Gordon Chicago will fully play their part. Education and engagement will be key, key part of that too.
And obviously this morning, um, Minister Helen McEntee announcing that um, in that interim until they can get the final decision on those speed limits, um, increased enforcement on the road, something in the region of about a 20% increase on the number of checkpoints. Um, have we got enough guards to be able to deliver that amount of enforcement? Yeah, look, there's like from the perspective of increasing uh, checkpoints, increasing visibility, increasing speed checks, there's never enough guards because the more guards you have, the more checkpoints you will do, the more speed checks. Like we had National Enforcement Day there yesterday and there was intensive uh, visibility, high visibility operation in Carlow. And we will continue to do our road. We have a very strong road policing unit in County Carlow and indeed County Kilkenny. And where we are on the road and we are playing our part and, and, and doing what we need to do, um, certainly enforcement... It does play a major part. It does impact driver behaviour directly. Um, it, it is one of the, the key factors and features of improving and enhancing road safety. We continue to play our part in that. We will continue have, to have focused operations. And the days we are not focusing on a specific national target, we have our own targets where I set plans and I have high expectations from members in roads policing in terms of the presence on the road, um, not only the enforcement piece, but also the education and, and engagement piece. And we will continue to do that. We will certainly play our part locally here in, in bringing road fatalities down. Superintendent Anthony Farrell, thank you very much for your time. Uh, busy morning nonetheless. And once again, our thoughts are with the family um, and friends of the deceased. It's uh, 13 minutes past 10 o'clock. We'll keep you up to date with the situation on the N80 from a traffic perspective right throughout the day but obviously that stretch of the road will be closed for quite a time to come now education is something that we've talked quite a lot about understandably at this time of year with CAO results, colleges returning schools, primary and secondary level all heading back but many many challenges addressed on this show and other shows right across the country school buses um, and not just getting the children to school but when we get the children to school will there actually be teachers there to teach them well Sorka Clark is a Sinn Féin TD she's visiting Carlow and Kilkenny today and she's also the Sinn Féin spokesperson on education and she joins us in the studio this morning good morning Sorka good morning Brian it's thanks for taking the time to pop in to us um, uh, so first of all I suppose let's get your thoughts on um, an overview as to where our current education system is failing um, at the moment and how that might be different under a potential Sinn Féin government. I don't think anybody will disagree with me, Brian, when I say there are a number of challenges facing the education system, both from primary to post-primary. The, and where you have a situation, as you mentioned there, with the, with the school transport, there's many different cogs involved in education. But ultimately, what we need to see is an education system that works for parents, that works for children, that works for principals and for the staff and for the teachers in those schools. Now, my priority for education is ensuring that when a child walks through the door, firstly, they're walking through the door of the most appropriate school for their need, that there are sufficient teachers there, that the school is funded to a level that they can provide a good quality education and a good quality building that is warm, that is dry, that has windows that open and close and that has a yard or a hall for the children to play in. Now that may sound very simple but if you speak to some of your listeners they will tell you that we still have far too many schools that actually don't have a school hall. Now PE is part of the curriculum where children can't um, actually participate in, in games within the school we know and if you even cover the, if you look at the media coverage yesterday around the difficulty in schools attracting in teachers that isn't it isn't a very difficult fix but there are a number of items that need to be fixed firstly is the housing issue we are never going to have people taking up posts in an area where they simply can't live that's not feasible I recently spoke to a principal who had their woodwork teacher living in the spare box room of their house 
that's not acceptable in any way. But we also have a piece of work that needs to be done around the contracts that are being offered to teachers. If you go over to education posts, you'll see the vast majority of them are temporary or are short term or are part time posts. Mm. Nobody can live on part time income these days. And for a professional like a teacher, expecting them to take part time work, substitute work as the only option that's there is fundamentally wrong. Now, if you cast your mind back a number of years after the financial crash, there was a level of management they're called assistant principal posts AP posts that were essentially taken out of schools and and that ripped that level of middle management out of schools so it puts additional pressure on a principal who's there some principals are still actually active teachers as well to be not only the principal in some cases the teacher but the financial management in some cases the architect for the school Mm. everything has fallen down on this reduced level of staff that's there and that is very unfair one of the priorities for Sinn Féin will be though creating a very clear pathway for children who have special educational needs. The, at the moment we have the, a situation where some children with SEN needs are actually leaving primary school without having a very clear pathway into secondary school. Now if you have a child who has a diagnosis of from birth of any condition, that diagnosis is a lifelong condition that that child is going to be living with. Our system of education needs to be better placed. It needs to have that information available as to what that pathway for that child is going to look like from junior infants right up to leave and search or whatever it is that their maximum educational attainment will be. The um, We do, as I said, have the issue around the management, transport, I can't think offhand of one town or village in this constituency of Carlo Kilkenny that does not have an issue with school school transport in some shape or form. Now, if you look at this from any perspective, be that the parental perspective, be the child's perspective, even from a climate target perspective, we need a school bus system that works. We need a transport system that will get to the children from point A to point B. Every year, there are thousands of children left without a place on a bus that the parent would like them to be on, that the child would like to be on, that will contribute hugely to not only traffic yeah. going through towns and our climate target, but would also ensure that the parents have confidence that a child is going to get from point A to point B. The system of eligible and concessionary students at the moment is failing. We know the government are two and a half years into a review of school transport. There's no end in sight for that to actually be completed never mind published. Many of those points I think everybody would agree with you that they need to be addressed, they need to be improved and it seems quite simplistic in terms of, uh, from an outsider's perspective, you throw enough money at a problem like that and you'll solve those problems. You pay teachers correctly, you'll get teachers, they'll come back from you know, career breaks, they'll come back from teaching abroad. But how do we actually implement those things? Let's take, for example, the challenge in terms of recruiting teachers and having enough teachers. You made the point that often principals, particularly in smaller rural schools, um, are acting as the principal, as the teacher, semi-caretaking roles, probably acting as the, the, the school secretary in that as well. Do we need to fundamentally change the system whereby staff are assigned to schools purely based on the number of children enrolling in a school? Well, firstly, I want to say I have no issue with teachers taking their breaks. I think it's actually hugely beneficial for the teacher as an individual, but also for the wider educational system, because when you go away and you're staying in that same environment, that same educational spectrum, you will bring back um, knowledge that you wouldn't have gained if you hadn't have left. The issue that we have is actually attracting teachers in as newly qualified, but also them coming back from Mm. where they where it is that they currently are. In terms of assigning teachers, 
teachers to school. The pupil teacher ratio in Ireland is one of the best in the EU. The um, and if you there was a recent report in the Irish Independent was about just how overfilled our classrooms are. The um, across the country, this isn't a geographic blip. This is across the country. We have classrooms. But haven't those numbers been coming down in recent years? The, but not as quick as what we need them to do. If we're serious about getting in line with our EU counterparts, with our neighbours about the pupil teacher ratio, well then there needs to be more swift action taken. A one point move for um, on, on the pupil teacher ratio will absolutely deliver results. But if you are if you are serious about reducing that say by another two points, that actually involves building additional classrooms because where are these teachers going to go? Yeah. The, so there is there is more to this than just simply saying well we'll hire more. So how long did it, 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 we're, we're talking about? I mean the, the the gun really has been fired, I suppose, and start of the prep for the next yeah. general election cycle following the constituency uh, boundary redraw last week. Um, whoever comes into government uh, next time around, you're talking about finance, you're talking about man and woman power, if you want to put the, the people, be, be, power. people, power. people power. Yeah, we'll say it that way. People power in terms of teachers and support. You're talking about logistics around classrooms, a point that you made very sensibly there a moment ago. This is not something that any government can change overnight. No, and we're very clear, this isn't going to be something that's a problem on a Friday and solved by Monday. The, but what we don't have is any clear plans to actually first off assess the, the level of difficulty that's there and then a plan to actually address it. Mm. So to my mind, what needs to be done by the Department of Education is a very strong and a very in-depth piece of work not only around the current need of school but also for future plannings. Now if you go to any county council's website you'll see the plan on applications that are in for residential developments in any area that needs to be taken into account. In my own town where I live there's a plan there's, there's houses actually currently underage it's about 200 of them you can you can roughly estimate that in five years time there's going to be additional pressures on the school that, that, that doesn't take Einstein to do the sums <laughs> from. The, I mean, certainly we don't, need, we don't need an applied maths teacher to be able to figure that one out. The um, but that needs to be taken into account. Now, you also need to look at the school buildings as they currently stand, where it is that they are placed in an awful lot of smaller towns. The school buildings are predominantly in the town centre or just outside of the town centre. But back in the day when they were built, they would have been slightly outside of the town, but towns have grown and they have developed. There's far better technologies available now to be able to, to deliver rapidly turned around extensions to schools, to those new classrooms that are there. And I am not talking about port cabins out in the schoolyard. Mm. The something that is a a lot more beneficial to both the staff, the students, and to the school community as a whole. I think a lot of the schools out there, though, I mean, given the fact that we're housing uh, Ukrainian refugees mm. and asylum seekers in tents at the moment, I think a lot of the schools will be quite happy, even if they did have a couple of porta cabins out there. Um, but we're talking. We'd like to offer them a higher standard of an option than a porta cabin. I mean, we all know of the of the school that has been left with the porta cabin for twenty years and they're stepping over the hole in the floor, and we can't <laughs> we can't be going back to this. Well. No, but what I do not. want to say, Brian, is one thing that I have noticed since becoming the Sinn Féin spokesperson on education is the amount of resilience, the amount of thinking outside the box, the amount of creative thinking that is done by not only the principals in the schools but by the parents' associations and the boards of management. They really are on the ball here. They need to be part of a, of, of a conversation of the, what the future of their school looks like in their community. Yeah. It isn't a case that a person with a, a title after their name or in a specific job is the only person who has good ideas when it comes to the future of a local community school. That is just not right. The um, so we need to draw on that experience. We need to draw on that learning, and we need to trust those who we trust to educate our children and the ideas that they want to see happen for their own local schools. Okay, Soccer Clark TD is uh, the Sinn Féin spokesperson in education. She's with us here in studio. I'm going to ask her to hang on just through a break because uh, we're talking about what education may look like should Sinn Féin. Um, 
form part of an ex-government. And uh, I want to ask Circa for her thoughts on uh, the polls over the weekend, which suggest that might be uh, the case. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Yes, you're welcome back to KCLR Live. It's Brian Redmond with you this morning. Text and WhatsApps are still open. 083 306 9696. Um, messages of sympathy already coming in from many of our regular listeners. Marion, thanks for the message. Uh, sympathy to that man's family. Uh, just speaking as a road user, it's crazy where cars pass, other cars coming up to bends, etc. Every day, she says, she sees it on the roads. And, you know, Marion, we've been saying this education is going to be a huge, huge part. Um, if, if we don't get educated, the guards are going to have to enforce these rules on us no doubt about that at all I'm in studio with uh, Sorka Clark TD um, from Sinn Féin visiting Carlo and Kilkenny today she's the Sinn Féin spokesperson in education we spoke about education beforehand but just before I let her go um, good polls for Sinn Féin yet again this weekend uh, a poll reporting that given the boundary redraws Sinn Féin could take as many as 67 seats in the next election. Is it a good place to be in now or do you feel maybe there's a danger that you might have hit the front a bit too early? No, I think it's, it is a good place to be. We are a party of activism so we, we do tend to be on the ground out and about and t- t- talk to people and the appetite for change hasn't actually diminished since the last general election. If, if anything it, it, it's gotten higher out there. My constituency was one of the ones that was amended under the boundary review. In a lot of ways I see the boundary review as like a day out for political nerds. The, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, like our, it's like our grand oh, national. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps us occupied for hours and hours. Yeah, and anybody who was waking up at 8 o'clock yeah, last Wednesday morning Morning to, to await the boundary redraws is definitely a political narrative. Yeah, no some of us it. may have been sitting there waiting, but anyway, that's, uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave that one there. But I don't think the boundary commission review, and I don't think any political commentator, and we can talk about the potential politics into the future, actually takes away from the fundamental change that we need to see, not only in our public services, but in our infrastructure and across our communities, the length and breadth of them. They, with the exception of revenue commissioners, constituents actually said this to me the other day, with the exception of revenue commissioners, nothing else seems to be working, and the revenue are only working because that's money coming in. They, um, but for anybody who needs a doctor's appointment, a GP appointment, yeah. is on a waiting list somewhere. And heaven forbid, um, and my heart truly, truly breaks for any parent out there who has a child who's waiting on a calm okay. service. Yeah, it's, it's huge thing at the moment. I mean, the, the polls that we were looking at were uh, an exclusive projection from the uh, Sunday Independent, um, suggesting that Sinn Féin may take as many as 67 seats in, in, in the next government. Um, doesn't seem to be enough support there from some of the smaller parties. So is it Fianna Fáil and Fianna Fáil only? I think the most important question will be well first off our, our focus will be on returning the maximum number of TDs that we have Mary Lou MacDonald Are you going to run enough TDs? Because I mean that was, the the mis- that was the mistake the last time around apparently yeah. you just didn't run enough of yeah. them And, and Mary Lou MacDonald too Tron Hinfein has been very clear that that's not a mistake that we are going to repeat the, um, but our focus will be on returning the maximum number of TDs that we can what happens then after that is, is very much in the faith of the people the, it is in the hands of the people who it is that they vote for to get, to get those TDs in to Leinster House. The conversation around the programme for government doesn't actually start until after the election. Mm. So our focus will be on, firstly... Yeah, it could be six months of chats and... <laughs> but last, the last time it was it was a little unusual given that the pandemic hit yeah. just a matter of weeks after Afterwards. the general election so that that did have an impact. I don't think that the next formation of government will take so long and Sinn Féin have been very clear we want to be in government, we want to be leading government. With anybody? They, no, that's not what I said. Don't, <laughs> don't you question 
I'm asking. Is that more like a cost? statement, Brian? Than a no, there, was a, there was an upward inflection towards the end. With anybody? <laughs> With anybody. No, our focus, as I said, will be to select our candidates to run the maximum number, number of candidates we think will get elected and to return the maximum number of TDs that Sinn Féin can into the next all. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks for your time this morning. Enjoy visiting Carlo and Kilkenny, Sorker Clark, TD from Sinn Féin and the Sinn Féin Spokesperson Education joining us in studio this morning. Thank you very much for Thank your time. You. It is uh, 29 minutes past 10 after a little piece of music. We're going to be talking cricket, but uh, hope you're enjoying today. Somebody somebody who always seems to enjoy his day, Ronan Keating. And here he is with Love in Each Day. It's KCLR Live. Enjoying this day like he does every other day. I hope you are as well. It's 10.33. It's Brian Redmond here on KCLR Live. Thank you again um, for all your messages in relation to road safety. Um, people saying that uh, some people just won't slow down. It's going to be up to the guards and cameras and uh, everything else to try and get the message across. And we spoke to the guards this morning. They're doing their bit as always. And it's the last thing that they want to be dealing with are fatalities on the roads. Um, so it's, it's going to come down to us. You know, let's try and be mindful. Let's try and share it with all our friends and just do our best to uh, to remain mindful when we're driving. Coming up after a short break, Jimmy Dooley and Mohammed Rafiki, they're both in studio, um, talking about uh, the successes of Carlo Cricket Club and also the Rohingya community in Carlo. Stay with us, that's on the way. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Yes, you're welcome back to KCLR Live. It's uh, coming up on 24 minutes to 11 o'clock this morning, but we're moving on from things political to talk about things cricket. Yeah, because uh, Carlo Cricket Club, they've just been crowned champions of the 2023 Ed Sports Russell Court Trophy. And we're joined in studio by Jimmy Dooley and Mohamed Rafiq. And not just to find out more about that success, but to listen, find out about the history of Carlo Cricket Club as well. Gentlemen, you're very welcome along into studio. Uh, Jimmy, first of all, Carlo, cricket. Um, People wouldn't normally put those two together as a sporting partnership. Uh, Well, Brian, actually, it goes back a long way. It goes back to the mid-1800s, I think. So um, there was loads of different cricket clubs in Carlo. And there's um, a book about cricket by Norman Macmillan, which is still available in Carlo Library. And it shows, uh, it um, gives the history of Carlo, cricket in Carlo, so... Um, back for everyone from clubs in Bagnus Town, which it still goes ourselves, but then there would have been all, all other smaller clubs, and um, also there would have been um, our present home is in Carla College St Patrick's, and there would have been cricket played in Carla College St Patrick's, you know, in the eighteen hundreds, like you know, so. Cricket and Carlo goes back a, a long way and since, say, 1930s, my uncle Jack Keating would have played cricket in Carlo. So. so there's a family connection there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Rafiq, from from Burma originally, yeah. um, obviously, have you have you been signed Carlo Cricket Club like a Premier League footballer has been transferred from a team in Burma over to Carlo? <laughs> How did you end up in Carlo? Honestly, uh, uh, the cricket is not our, our, our sport. You know, the, in cricket is... Uh, 
I never heard the cricket play, uh, play in Burma, you know, before uh, I came to Ireland, you know. And uh, as, a, as a Rohingya community, the, in 1990, uh, 1991, 1992, the, when the clearance operation uh, taking place in Burma, we, as a, we became as a refugee in Bangladesh. The cricket is very popular in Bangladesh. Of course, yeah. The, the Rohingya community who are the youngest, who are playing for our first team or, you know, the in senior team, they are all the born the all the boys born in the refugee camp in bangladesh because that when they grow in the refugee camp and they know they are they connected with the cricket in bangladesh yeah when we came to in in 2009 uh, 2009 in in 26 june when we arrived in carlton um uh, after a few the secretary the organized the we the minister me white was busy to first ever meet with us and then there is the, the, the she asks in the boys they are what kind of a sport you want, they want to play in, in <laughs> Carlo. They're, they're she was to, hoping they were going to say hurling or yeah, football they're, or they're something. They oh, we want to play cricket. <laughs> that's with the I can, I can you just see her scratching her head cricket, going, yeah, oh, I shouldn't have asked that question. Their plan was came to the cricket, you know, it's come to their, uh, their mind. Uh, Rafiq, uh, Rafiq Mohammed, just tell me about... Um, just tell me about the Rohingya community and where they come from in Burma and why they were forced to leave that country. Bur- Burma is a country, you know, the, where uh, uh, in it's not in just only today. Is is since Burma, you know, in, independent, we as a Rohingya Rohingya community is denying our as a birthplace. Our but Bar- Rohingya are not belong. To, they said, you know, the, we are our great grandparents are born in Burma. Mm. Now, the, are, are they an ethnic group within the Burmese population, or do sorry. they have their? Are they an ethnic group within the Burmese we population, or do they we have, have their own lands? We have one hundred thirty-five ethnic group, including Rohingya. But is 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 we have the history? You know, the even our our first minister of the after independence, our, our first minister was saying his own word. You know. Uh, I could. Uh, he said, "If Burma, if the Rohingya are not Burma, uh, ethnic of Burma, then I am not uh, as a Burma." The, he referred to the Rohingya are belong to this country. You know. Yeah. After that, after 1982, we call black law. After the law that we have no right at all, and as a basic right at all, as a Rohingya, we are denying to our you know the freedom movement as a for. A, for or we, we have to say we have no basic right at all. Yeah. And as a, in 1992, the as a, my family and, and also the uh, 250,000 Rohingya flee to Bangladesh at the time. Now in 2016 was over, uh, sorry 2016 to 17 over one million refugee fleeing to Bangladesh. In at the uh, right now in the current genocide is taking place. UN call a genocide, and also the UN International Court of Justice. They are calling, but unfortunately we don't get any justice yet. We don't see any justice. And still Rohingya in in, in Rohingya who are in uh six hundred thousand Rohingya is still in the inside the country. Yeah. They have they have they are facing genocide at the moment. They have no right uh, to at all. And if, uh, if they have so many crises, even in food food crisis, even, you know, they cannot go to the health uh, care and uh, they don't have any protection so at these, all. So these people that arrived, the Rohingya people that arrived in Carlo, they'd come, as you said, through Bangladesh, faced huge, huge challenges. So under the U- United Nations and the government. Of the what did you government. think when you arrived all the way via Bangladesh from Burma and landed here in Carlo in Ireland? What were your first thoughts? The... Thank you very much. It was very. It is, it's a very important question. You know, uh, as a Rohingya, 
we are completely isolated you know that we don't know which part of the world. before i came to ireland i don't know the where the part ireland is which part of the world yeah. we have no because we have no any any you know we don't have any media we have no any newspaper we have we have completely isolated from the world after when we they must have felt like another planet yeah even when they are we get the message from the un refugee agency they say we are selected for island we are very shocked in another you know, what kind of uh, island country another you know, part of the world and, and the good news is that when we arrive in uh, in island honestly i have to say you know that if if i have to say if I, what i spent my 17 years refugee life in bangladesh and where i i was born my bad bad place they are denying my you know the, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a as a as a as a human being yeah so when i came to ireland when i seen you know that in 2010 was officially welcoming us in carlton i i was just very emotional on the day for me i was still remember and also how my neighbor and our friend you know jimmy i know since student we are good friend or you know the, so we have we so I, it was they a- are welcoming us you know uh, is very more, more important thing is uh, uh, and if we compare our, our life is, is we are in heaven yeah yeah this is true and uh, a carlo cricket club now in heaven as well because of the uh, Uh, Bangladeshi education from a cricket perspective that that all the, the the people received before coming here. Yeah, well we are of course we are. Um we're we're like we're progressing rapidly but yeah the the Rohingya community are at, at the heart of our club like so we initially said the different services came together with the youth services CCDP came together with the Rohingya community in St Catherine's sports partnership and that's how because the yeah the rugby club all these different organizations came together to welcome the Rohingya community into the our community and cricket was kind of the 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 fulcrum around which to all rotate to give um, people young people from the Rohingya community and the older people a place in the in yeah. Carlo yeah. so that's that's how it all started and they're still at the, the core of our club and it's in our constitution that the Rohingya community at our core of our club so now we're progressing rapidly like um, you know with the adult teams kids teams um, women's teams social team you know there's eight club eight, eight, eight teams. teams in the club eight teams great yeah. and so, talk to me now about the diversity within the club because obviously the Rohingya communities you said partly constitution of the club there mm. um, but we've got so many people from different parts of the world and people from Bangladeshi people for example yeah. or mm. people from Pakistan or India, yeah. India. Uh, and indeed you know maybe Australians and yeah, and South Africans yeah. uh, what's the diversity what like within the club oh yeah Yeah, well, it's amazing. So we have new communities and say local communities. So we've people playing um from like um from Burma, from Bangladesh, all the uh, Asian countries you'd imagine. But now we've Eastern European young people from Eastern European um from Australia, adults South Africa, Zimbabwe, um Nepal. It's like it's unbelievable. It is a great mixture and a great uh, inclusive environment and um also our committee will be made up of probably half of women on our committee so not only are we uh, so now it's it's we're working hard together we we have our ups and our downs but um we strive it's a, it's a great story it's a great example of people coming together mm. but also it's a it is a support or the serious size of it is a support to people who've had their struggles and then would come together to um you know through the medium of cricket so at the end of the day if we win a a cup final like we did last 
Saturday and everyone's jumping around and it's amazing but, but behind all that there's a story a human story I, I'd say the sing song in the club afterwards is a really interesting occurrence <laughs> yeah. as well when you get people singing traditional Irish songs you probably got people from all countries uh, uh, singing their own yeah. traditional songs of celebration yeah. We have almost the 40, over fourteen different nationality. In fourteen, the, fourteen, yeah, and mm. and also it is not our first trophy. And we, uh, when we, uh, in, in the, the we started the club was two thousand eleven. We are we were in the uh, league was in two thousand first hour we play league was in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, uh, then in the two thousand fifteen was we have we brought two trophy. One was the league, one is the cough. So and in so 2018, was the, we have another trophy, and this is our fourth trophy for the for the. Uh, He's very proud of those trophies. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. can't see that obviously for our listeners yeah, yeah. at home. Mohammed's face lights up every time he mentions, and we won this trophy, and we won that trophy, and we, it's a huge success story all around. Because apart from the longevity and the history of the club, apart from the fact that they're winning all these trophies, there you smiling away again. Mohammed's delighted with all the trophies. Uh, Jimmy, you seem to suggest that the biggest success that Carlo Cricket Club has has been that point that fulcrum yeah. for, for people from different communities coming oh, to Carlow. Yeah, yeah, so no doubt about it. It's the same in Annie. Annie it's actually, because I'm involved with Airog and Carlo as well, eh, it's actually very similar. It's people coming together, putting structures in place within the club, putting your constitution, your, your um, coaching, your child protection stuff. It, um, then people come along from so many different uh, nationalities and backgrounds and local backgrounds and then you you work together as a team so yeah. like you know when I played Gaelic football like we won and we lost loads of different things but at the end of the day it was the friends and the comradeship and uh, um, striving to work together the, the passion of course um, but all those things of coming together and celebrating diversity, but celebrating your your common your common team is cricket or yeah. Gaelic football. So it was it's it is amazing. But yeah, like the cups and people focus on the cups, but they, they my focus and the committee's focus would be is on the all the rest of it and they, they, we sustain ourselves so that we're still around. And Carl Cricket Club would have had a history of um, a long history, but it, it fell apart a few times. So since it was re restarted because the revival since the Rohingya community came. Happen again. Yeah, and with Cricket Leinster's support, Bernard Amara from Cricket Leinster, I should have, should have said that earlier. Um, so there, the, the story there is is that we, we have to keep it going. You know, like yeah. my kids are playing, um, Rafiq's kids play. Um, and if anybody's listening today who might have children or maybe wants to get mm. involved themselves, what's the best way to get in contact with the club? Uh, via social media, but, but you can put my number up and the phone number on the social We have it our website and also our all the social network. We put our club email and also the, we, uh, we give it our phone number. So if somebody just does a search for Carlo yeah. Cricket up, they'll absolutely yeah. find it. Well, listen, it is absolutely a success story. Um, it's great to see, as I said, the success not just on the cricket pitch, but also off the cricket pitch uh, Jimmy Dooley and Mohammed Rafiq from Carlo Cricket Club thank you very much for your time this morning and uh, long may that success continue I might have to come up and have a knock, or, knock about sometime oh, yeah, I'd love to uh, it's 11 minutes to uh, 11 o'clock this morning we'll have our community sis just after this short break KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie KCLR. Yes, it is 10 minutes to 11 on this Wednesday morning, the 6th of September. Time to do this. KCLR. Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. And I'm joined in studio for this week's Community Assist uh, by Garda Lisa Mullins. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And you? Good. 
So we have a few to get through today. Um, we'll, we'll see how we get on with these and we'll talk about other bits and pieces coming up in the next couple of days as well. Um, Ross Lamont is on, but people are nicking bikes. Yeah, big time. Um, one of our instances this week, um, we're making an appeal. I will actually send you a photo also to put up on your social media, but the injured party reported to us um, yesterday that they had a grey giant bike in their garage which had been now, when taken. you say joint bike you don't mean it was a joint bike <laughs> no, it, the joint is the brand <laughs> yeah um, it's it's worth about a thousand euro so it's went missing in the last week out of their garage now uh, we're just appealing to anyone who may have seen a bike um, it's it's a large frame man's bike um, in grey dark grey in colour so we're just appealing to anyone that might have come across it or may possibly be offered it for sale and that was uh, went missing sometime between the 23rd of the 8th and the 3rd of the 9th from the Sion Road area of Kilkenny Um, uh, theft of uh, a mechanically propelled vehicle (laughs) are you impressed? yeah I'm very (laughs) impressed this one happened on the 1st of September so the Guardian Callan are investigating the theft of a silver Toyota Corolla van a 06 reg um, in the early hours of Friday morning from a factory out in Callan. So the culprit found the keys in the van and was able to drive it from the car park. So we're just appealing to anyone who may have seen or heard anything in the area at the time or may have dash cam footage that may have met it on the road or doorbell footage. Yeah, so. yeah, those ring doorbells are great, aren't they? Yeah. The more people have them, the better. Um, an assault causing harm at the skate park on, on the first of month. Yeah, so Friday evening, Gardaí and Kilkenny were notified of an assault that had occurred in the skate park. Um, the injured party had been assaulted with a broken glass bottle and received a deep laceration um, to their neck. So the Guardian Kilkenny are just appealing to anyone who may have noticed anyone leaving the area at the time between 5 and 6pm on Friday evening. Yes, that, it's always those physical ones. I mean, I know obviously having a, a burglary or a theft is always um, difficult for people as well, but the physical assaults are the ones that always get me. Um, the theft of a scooter from Market Yard in Kilkenny also occurred. Yeah, so this one occurred on the 3rd of September. So this scooter was parked in the market yard between 12.30 and 5am. And we're just asking anyone if they may have seen anybody acting suspiciously in the car park on that date to contact the Gardaí. And give us that date again, the 3rd. Uh, it third. was the 3rd. The 3rd of the 9th. Which so. would have been Sunday. Uh, sixth, fifth, fourth. Yeah, Sunday. I just yeah. did. I just did. See how quickly that I worked out. It wasn't really. It was pretty <laughs> slow. Um, but the third of the ninth Sunday from Market Yard. That theft of that scooter. That must be coming more prolific as well as the, you know, the scooters yeah. are going up in value. There, the more and more people using them. Yeah. Um, I, should you be marking them in the same way that you would be oh, marking yeah. an expensive bicycle? Yeah. Serial numbers. Photograph them. I encourage everyone. Anything that they've paid quantity of money for photograph everything because it's always easier for us and if we find one dumped we can always say well that's Brian's uh, we found it down the canal or it was dumped yeah we got it then from there Um, again theft from a vehicle this time um, at Market Yard in Kilkenny yeah so the Gardaí were actually dealing with the other incident at the time uh, another incident at the time and um, the injured party had returned to their car and had found two people in their car uh, ransacking his car so they actually fled the scene when the injured party arrived so a number of items were taken from the car so we're just appealing to anyone who may have noticed two people acting suspiciously in the car park on the 4th and we're always saying this I mean well I'm listening to you guys mm-hmm. saying it the whole time about keeping those vehicles locked the That's whole it. time you'd be surprised the amount of houses are in housing states where people just jump out of the car they're getting the kids out or they're shopping out 
and just forget just hit a yeah. zapper and lock the car yeah Garda Andy Nina's big on that he gives us all sorts of tips and tricks when it comes to cars um, the car well, expert the car expert yeah he, he, you know, well I always look at the clock in the studio and I think if i got 15 minutes to fill we'll ask Andy about a car <laughs> no problem give you a car model can, yeah I can go anything. off and make a cup of coffee when Garda Andy Neil is in you know and say chat about cars all day long and we're staying on cars because this time it's a theft from a vehicle in uh, Blindval yeah, so this was actually um, in the early hours up this morning in Pilltown. Um, the injured party had parked their car in their driveway. A neighbour actually alerted, um, was alerted to a noise outside and seen a male dressed in dark clothing and had a backpack in the car. And the offender fled the scene. So the contents of the vehicle had been gone through. But yeah. Gardy are just appealing to anyone who may have doorbell footage or dashcam footage. Yeah, as usual. Um, yeah. And all the phone numbers are available for you yeah. to call should you have any information on any of that. Busy weekend ahead, Ross Naman, yeah. all over the uh, the counties, three counties it's visiting, yeah. finishing up on Sunday, obviously, here in Kilkenny. Um, you uh, on the overtime this weekend? Sunday. Sunday, <laughs> yeah, 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 dealing with all the bits and pieces. Um, lots of road closures. Yeah, so it, it's commencing today. Um, we have... It's, it's actually launching from the castle today. So there'll be a ceremonial start at 16.25 with the official start at Kilkenny Rugby Club with a rolling start yeah. at 16.45. There'll be temporary traffic restrictions around the parade area for approximately 20 minutes while this is happening. And there'll be rolling restrictions. We'll have guard motorbikes and guards on point through Noctofer and onto Wine Gap. And it's set to finish at about 6.25 in Callan. Then tomorrow they were, it'll commence at the Rugby Club at midday and it'll make its way to Thomastown via Kells and then Dunamagan and ending in the Rower at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So stages 3 and 4 are actually um, in Leash, Outford. The one in Leash is up to Sheaf Blooms and the one in Waterford is actually in Tremor on Saturday. Yeah, so a busy, a busy yeah. weekend. And we've got the Cannonball Run coming yeah. to the area. For those that don't know, Cannonball yeah. Run, it's not like the old movie. It's um, fancy cars. It's fancy certainly cars. something to look at. Um, yeah. Large crowds and very expensive cars yeah. um, involved that we have to take care of on that day. So that's actually the 17th of September. But also on Sunday as well, a lot of the city will be closed down this Sunday with the Criterium and the time trials. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case people are trying to get into town and true luck boy. I think if I remember correctly, I think the um the stuff for the uh Rosnamon starts about nine, nine thirty in the morning, yeah. then they've got uh, the criterium in the afternoon and yeah. there's entertainment. So it's gonna be busy in the city in general this busy. weekend. If you need to come in to do a shopping maybe Saturday might be a better day. Even have a stroll in if the weather's as good as it's been all week, maybe stroll in and actually support the girls because in fairness, they are athletes. It's like mad, isn't it? speeds they are travelling. Last year the rain that fell on the Sunday and they coming in by left bank and there was crashes. I don't know how they stay up the crashes that were happening I don't know how they even got up off the ground yeah. they're, they're actually unbelievable athletes well listen hopefully you won't have to pick too many of them up uh, yeah. this weekend uh, Garda Lisa Mons I always call you Lisa but Marin, you've got one more to go through one more to go through um, the Garda in Bagnallstown just want to make people aware that um, public office works have commenced since the 28th of August so they're just getting um, making more access for wheelchair accessible and they're working on their public office area so they just want people in the area to know if they're looking to call into the Garda station the public office opening times um, they'll be changed and you can ring um, the guard station and there'll be notice also on the front door okay okay cool listen appreciate that as always uh, enjoy Rosnamon at the weekend uh, I'm sure it's going to be a busy weekend for all the guards but uh, yeah. listen better to be out looking after the people in Rosnamon than dealing with road traffic incidents that is for sure 
KCLR. Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. We're going to take a short break and that will bring us almost up to the news at 11. KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Yes, it's KCLR Live this morning. It is 11.01, coming up after the news at 11.01. Uh, I'll be talking to Dr. Coleman Nocter, a child and adolescent psychoanalytical psychotherapist, about his new book entitled The 4 to 7 Zone. Of course, we have to find out what the 4 to 7 zone is. And a little bit later on the show, I'll be catching up with Erica Cody, who performed with Women in Harmony um, at the weekend at Electric Picnic. Great to see so many women, Irish women, in the entertainment world coming together in solidarity to perform. We'll be hearing what Erica thinks about that and what she's got planned for the rest of her career. If we can sum that up in eight minutes, um, she'll do a good job. But now at 11.01, it's time to hand over to Ashling Bolton-Dowling in the newsroom. Thanks, Ashling. We'll talk to you again at 12. We've got lots to get through over the next hour. Um, Ashling Bolton-Dowling bringing us the news and will keep us right up to date throughout the afternoon. Six minutes past 11. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Now, I'm joined in studio uh, by Dr. Coleman Nocter, um, Carlovian, um, or at least living in Carlow, though I must double-check that, actually, whether he's a Carlow native or originally from Carlow. But apart from that, and more importantly, he's an ad- adolescent psychoanalytical psychotherapist. Uh, Dr. Coleman, uh, when I first saw that introduction this morning, I was like, oh, not all those psycho words all in one sentence. I'm going to strip, uh, trip up over at least one of them. Uh, but the new book, entitled The Four to Seven Zone, described as an easy and effective way to live a balanced life and become your own therapist. Are you trying to put yourself out of business? I wish I could. <laughs> no, I mean, I, again, I can. the re- reason for the book was, you know, I'd say prior to 2020, you might get five emails or calls a week. I would safely say that since September 2020, I'm getting north of 30, and that has not abated since pan- pandemic finished. You know, so, yeah. it's, so there is a clear issue with people struggling with managing their mental health or in terms of their own expectations of their mental health and so the book was a way of kind of I I suppose offering an antidote to what I believe is a very psychologically and emotionally unhealthy culture so I think we um, we're out of balance I think we have normalized excess so if you think about the narrative of words that we hear all you can eat binge, you know, uh, unlimited, all these sorts of things. And when you normalise excess, you'll find that people are are overdoing things. And what was the other problem was, I think we have lost a sense of the middle. And when you lose a sense of the middle, you kind of lose a sense of enough. And if you have no sense of enough, then you're constantly going to be striving for something and never kind of reach that contentment. Mm. And so the idea was to try and write something that almost offers us a license to be in the middle or give us permission to be in the middle. Hence the four to seven Hence zone. Hence the four to seven zone. But um, it's, uh, again, I just think our expectations have been driven over the last five years, maybe more, and our realities haven't shifted anywhere near that amount. And the gap between your expectation and your reality is the potential for unhappiness yeah. or anxiety. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about the four, mm. well, we'll talk a lot more about the four to seven zone in, in a moment, but I'm interested in your take in terms of how... Um, the mental health landscape has changed over the last five years. 
Is it, in your opinion, a direct result of the pandemic or is it, uh, if you like, a symptom of the pandemic, as in people had more time to think about their mental health and also people were stuck at home so they didn't have the opportunity to talk to people a bit more and you had people like me and others in, in the media going, now look after your mental health. And it was the message around, maybe a slightly controversial statement to make, was the message around that difficulty with mental health pushed too much? Um, not so much. I wouldn't think in the in the pandemic. I, I I would say the pandemic. We were all walking in that direction, and the pandemic is like those escalators that are on the ground in the airport. They just push us <laughs> along further. Up, you yeah. know? So it escalated. But you know, COVID didn't bring mental health problems to our shores. They were here well before that. Do you know what I mean? And I think as a society, we're moving in that direction around. And people would say social media, maybe or technology, has changed the landscape, and it has. But it's just given a vehicle for stuff that we do. You know, it's the humans yeah. behind the technology and, yeah. and it, it offers us another another avenue for that but um, I think the dial has flipped too much in the other direction so from the point of view of I worry that we have in our efforts to become mental health promoters we've become mental illness promoters yeah. and I mean that in the sense of you can't watch a TikTok video with saying you know do you like to put things back where they belong? You've got OCD. Do you ever yeah, yeah, get yeah. forgetful? You've got ADHD and that's not really what the mental health awareness issues about mental health awareness is about mental fitness it's yeah. about maintaining your mental health it's not about identifying symptoms which I think perhaps the dial has flipped and and that will always happen We I talk a lot about overcorrection. so you know we didn't talk about sex or sexuality in Ireland for years and now you know you can have pornography in, in your phone from the age of seven so from the point of view the dial has flipped too, too much far. in the other direction I, I found it very interesting when you talked about um, symptoms and symptoms of experiences that we have in life and quite often it's not the symptoms that determine whether or not somebody needs to seek assistance it's how long those symptoms uh, persist for yeah I mean we can't pathologize life issues so grief loss upset stress these are all life issues they're not pathologies they're not things that we need the issue is if it doesn't go away so yeah, if you, you know, I like the story about the breakup with the girl yeah. eating the ice cream yeah I mean again, <laughs> the fella. if you go and visit someone and they've just broken up from a relationship and they're eating their Ben and Jerry's and listening to the Adele album in their tracksuit you know you don't bring them to the GP because you say that's a proportionate reaction to what you're going through but if you went back six months later and they were still listening to the same CD in the same tracksuit then you would look for, for you'd be concerned and look for help. So the idea is not the acuity of the symptom, but the length of time it takes. And it's the same as our physical health. If you have a cough or if you have a pain, you'll usually leave it and then sometimes it'll go away. And some, it's when people say, I still haven't shifted that thing, I'm going to go and get help now. Does that make sense? So, yeah, totally, yeah. I mean, how long do you think that, like, for example, um, people who maybe are experiencing some of those symptoms... Uh, well, maybe it's different depending on what caused the symptoms in the first mm. place but if somebody has a breakup we'll use that example and you know three weeks in they're still eating Ben and Jerry's you might say oh, well, yeah, they're probably just about okay but three months three years later uh, it would want to be a fairly severe and heartbreaking uh, breakup to to be accepted that somebody might still be eating Ben and Jerry's three years down the road. Yeah, and I think that's a wonderful example because I think there's no definitive test for mental Ill, Ill health, right? So you don't have an X-ray, you don't have a blood test, so you can't say your anxiety oh, level. You've got right? it. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're judging it very much subjectively, and psychiatry is a, is a science of subjectivity. So you know, can you assign? I know insurance companies say if you lose a finger, you get two thousand. If you lose a hand, you get ten. You know that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that and say, well, if you lose 
uh, say in grief if you lose a sibling you should be depressed for 12 months if you lose an auntie it should be you know we don't that's the do, human condition we're all part of that same rainbow of, of, of the human condition 100% but from the point of view of it's so much more difficult in a mental health point of view to say you should be over this by now you know what's the difference between being sad and upset and at what point does that go into wallowing do you know what I mean and <laughs> how do, you know and, and they're, they're really kind of and most common question I get asked is is this normal you know, at what point, and it's oftentimes parents talking about their children and saying, do I need to go for help now or do I? And I, I see people come to me and they're seeking help way too early. Like, this is just a, a life issue. This will pass. There's nothing pathological here. On the other hand, you see parents coming way too late yeah. because they ignored signs and symptoms that were coming up. Do you know what I mean? So from the point of view of the symptom is oftentimes a signpost to the problem. It's oftentimes not the problem itself. So the sleeplessness, the appetite, those sorts of s- signals. I would always use it like, it's like the warning light in your car that says you're low on petrol, yeah. right? The, the, I, I always take a chance for that. <laughs> I always take a chance for that. There's two types of people, you know. <laughs> yeah, people who yeah, half a tank yeah. go, I think I need to fill up, and people who are kind of, I'll get home with this, you know. Yeah, and to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the issue, you say if you get it, that warning light, the issue isn't change the bulb in the dashboard. The issue is get more fuel. Right, Do you know okay, what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. we're, we get so focused on, I need to be able to sleep find out why you're not sleeping you know go to the origin of the distress rather than trying to resolve the distress because oftentimes your mental health symptom is as I say a signpost of the problem and what we do is we gather around the signpost and not look to where it's pointing does that make sense? Let's get into talking about the 4 to 7 zone specifically I mean one of the the points that you make in the book was um, people looking at an image of a very happy smiling person and asking a question how much of our human lives should be lived in that state? Yeah, I, also, I, I used to I do a lot of talks in schools and I used to ask TYs, you know, what's mental well-being? What is it under, to you? And they would all say it's happiness. Well, that's not how I would say it, but what do you understand happy to be? And they'd struggle to show, I used to show this picture of these minions laughing, doubled double over, <laughs> hysterically laughing. And I'd say, is that happiness? And they say, yeah, that's what we think happiness is. And then I'd say, well, what percentage of your life do you think you should or do spend like that? And they all said between 70 and 90%. And I said, well, would you be shocked to realise that you spend 2% of your life like that? Yeah. You know, the other 98% is a case of kind of content disgruntlement. <laughs> and, but the idea is if you expect to live your life 90% like that and it's only 2%. But then, then you spend 97% of your life to going, I'm not the way I should I'm be. I'm missing out on things. And, and the idea, and that's where social media probably has, has kind of adverted our gaze because social media is a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. of our lives you know so over the pandemic myself and my son used to watch Match of the Day We'd sit there and watch it and then afterwards I took him to a match to see the whole thing and he was bored off his mind going <laughs> yeah. what is all this wasting time because he thought the highlight reel was yeah it's going to be a goal every 30 seconds yeah. Yeah. and so from the point of view almost we, we don't realise that other people's cultivation of their lives are highlight reels and so we're comparing ourselves to their highlight reel with our 90 minutes of okay. throw in so, does that make sense yeah absolutely so we're totally clear about the fact that the 4 to 7 zone is normal it is the place where most of us will spend the, the, you picking me up on the word normal no no um, <laughs> <laughs> use the word normal I thought he's going oh he's got a condition he's got a problem with me using the word normal um, the 4 to 7 is where we should be aiming to try and spend most of our lives how do we get there you see, I think from the point of view, all the narratives are around getting things extreme. So if you want to lose weight, you get your pulse up, you get your calories down. And yeah, it's get, all, get ripped in 30 you know, days. <laughs> you know, if you're on Dance with the Stars, you're going for 10s all the time, right? Yeah, the 47, 
47 is... I'm going to actually take this book with me and when it comes to the next season of Answer with the Stars. I'm going to hold it up every now and then. Just aim to be in the 47 zone. You'll be doing well. But you know what I mean? It, it, it is about, like, in terms of mental health and well-being, balance, equilibrium, that measure. If I see people, and I've seen lots of people over the course of my career, I ask them, how's your sleep, how's your appetite, how's your anxiety? And I ask them to rate it out of 10, just to give them a, an idea. Everyone I see is one, two, three, eight, nine, ten. I never see the four to seven people. They don't end up in therapy. So there's something that those four to seven people are doing that's keeping them balanced and all that sort of stuff. So the idea of the book was to look at, hold up your life and look at your work-life balance. You know, look at your uh, anxiety levels. Look at your parenting strategies. Look at your use of technology. If you're eight, nine, ten, and one, two, three, if you stay there you're going to run into trouble. So that goes back to the longevity of the symptoms it's again. Not, life will throw curveballs at you. You and I will be 1, 2, 3, and 8, 9, 10, depending on the day. But if you're stuck in that 1, 2, 3, or 8, 9, 10 for a month, two months, three months, four months, you will burn out. Like, your your mind is not built to run on the fumes like your car is. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so from the yeah. point of view, things will start to give. And so the idea of the 47 zone and that idea of becoming your own therapist, most of what I do in my role is saying, I think you should do less of this and more of that. I think, you should, and and that's pretty much trying to be able to give you a guide to be able to do that for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the book talks about be getting into that four to seven zone in a number of different areas of our lives, all the different chapters. Where do you think the biggest challenges exist? Is it in that work life balance, or is it in our physical being with diet and sleep or parenting? Where do you think our biggest challenges as a society are at the moment? Uh, I think it's probably in our expectations, you know, to try and be like to be okay with being average. And I talk about this in the book, like. Average should be met with relief, not disappointment, right? By definition, if you've 10 people in a room, one will Nobody excel. Nobody wants to be average, though. But uh, that's where everyone is. Like, by, by de- definition, average is where most people occupy. So if, you're, if you make average a point of discontent, then you can sign 80% of the population to feel unhappy. That's exactly what you do. Because 10 people in a room, one person excels, one person struggles. The other eight, no matter what level those 10 people are at, yeah. are average. Everyone can't be in that top 10%. You know? And so from the point of view, take, for example, children's sport, all the silent silence, the abusive referees, all that sort of stuff. That's parents. That's not, you're not, two, two, two nine-year-olds aren't causing that. The parents are. Take flesh fixing, take whatever you yeah, want yeah, to do. Yeah. All of that is grinds. Mm. Children don't sign themselves up for grinds. You know? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> the adults do. So we as the adults have to ha- hang on and say, well, what is our expectation? And, you know, if I said to par- parents, you know, if your kid gets over the line and with middling points, but they're in good mental shape, or do you want them to go with 600 points and be in rag order? They will all say the first one, but part of us will go, and go well, I really wanted them to do his best, and I want to live his potential, and I want him to do himself proud and all that sort of stuff. All those, it's all pressure. Do you know what I mean? So if you're looking at the environment that children and young people are growing up in, it is expectation and pressure. That's the biggest challenge, to try and manage our own expectations and actually say, actually, average is fine. Yeah, that's where actually, those disappointments live, isn't it? The, the, as you said earlier on, actually, the, that space between expectations and the actual result. So from the, take, for example, if you were going to Marbella three times a year and then during pandemic, you got a weekend in Curaclo for a, in a caravan, you were delighted. Curaclo is lovely <laughs> now. Don't start picking on Curaclo. <laughs> or Killaloo, whatever it might be. But the idea is your, expe- your expectations shifted in terms of reality. Do you know what I mean? So you went, this so have is we okay got a, have we got a problem then with reality? Yes. Yes, we do, because our realities are so skewed by the live your best life. You can be all you can be. You know, you you only live once, you know, never fail, never be bored. And and these things um, happen 
in very small instances, like I'm going to sound a bit raw uh, with this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. The first time that we ever brought the family, the four of us away together, and we don't go away every year. Um, myself and my wife, we saw the kids in the room, it was on a holiday for 10 it's going to be a bloody nightmare. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll save up, and if we've got enough money when we get over there, maybe we'll upgrade the room. So we did, we worked hard and we went over there and we upgraded the room and it meant the kids had their own little space and we had their own little space. Brilliant. Didn't go away for the following couple of years. Two or three years later, I went away. My three-year-old was now a six-year-old. We arrived on the first night, checked into the hotel room. She said, this is a bit small. <laughs> We're setting ourselves up for failure all mm. the time. Yeah, and again, the idea of failure is, is a subjective policy, right? So if you say out of 10, nine to 10 is success, everything yeah. else is failure then you can you know we have to have a spectrum of eight to ten brilliant six to eight not too bad you know again goes back to the kind of dance with the stars but <laughs> yeah. you know the idea of we've got it right on dancing with the stars no but you know what i mean it, it's about that where where you talked about normal normal and there's a difference between normal and normative normative is what most people do normal is probably what's healthiest right yeah so normative it's normative to sit on the toilet with your phone you know that wouldn't have been normative 15 years ago but it is now so we create normative yeah so if it's normative to get everyone goes to college in third year level university then that becomes the bar that we all have to shift towards I didn't go to, to college and I, I can't remember exactly but I'd guess probably maybe 40% or 50% possibly uh, of my school going cohort went off to college the rest of us got on with our lives um, and didn't feel anything different of it. I think if you were a secondary school student now leaving and not going to third level, the people will be looking at you in your class going, what do you mean you're not going to college? That's not normal. But your parents will be looking at you saying, we invested in you yeah. all the way through. <laughs> like, and the other thing is we have to stop seeing everything as an investment. So I'm going to send you to the Gale School to get points in your leave. I'm going to send you to music to send you to this. Go and enjoy you know, it. You know, oh, you, sh- you swung a golf club and he looks good. I'm going to get him a Callaway Woods. And I'm oh, going I to made that you, mistake. You, 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 no, <laughs> no, I didn't make that mistake. I spent 130 or 40 euros on a set of beginners golf clubs for a young lad when he was about six. Never touched them. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? That's us yeah. saying, I want you to be there, right? And that's everyone driving well, for Well, you that. see, I wanted to be there, but I thought a vehicle <laughs> to get me there might be him being there, and that was the problem in the first place. And therein lies the problem, <laughs> exactly, Brian. Exactly, yeah. It's a fabulously, fabulously interesting read. I'm about two or three chapters through it. Etna Quirk, the show producer, said, when you finish that, give back to me. I'm not giving it back to Etna until I've finished reading it from cover to cover. Um, but being average is okay. The four to seven zone um, by Dr. Coleman, Dr. Presumably available in all great sure. bookshops. Yeah, and not so great ones. As and, well. not so great, and, and the not so great bookshops are just as good and inadequate as all of the rest of them. A really, really interesting conversation. I could have continued that all morning long, but unfortunately, I have a show to get on with. Dr. Coleman Oscar, thanks for popping into us this morning. 23 minutes past 11 o'clock here on KCLR Live. KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. 25 past 11. And if anybody's interested in picking that up again, uh, just to say the four to seven zone, an easy and effective way to live a balanced life and become your own therapist by Dr. N- Coleman Noctor is available from Gill Books. And all good. And as he said, sort of slightly average in every bookshop across the country. You can check it out. I'll be talking to uh, a very good friend of mine um, performing at the weekend at Electric Picnic with Irish Women in Harmony, Erica Cody. She'll be joining us in a moment. But another fabulous singer, Olivia Rodrigo with Vampire. Satisfaction asking how you're doing now. How's the castle built of people you pretend to care about? Just what you wanted. Look at you. 
Olivia Rodrigo there with our latest hit Vampire she of driver's license fame her first big hit continuing to be a success uh, if you do like that track the one thing I'll say to you is though that is the radio edit of that track the, uh, if you've got little ears at home and you think they might enjoy that song don't just go hey Alexa play Olivia Rodrigo Vampire because you'll be turning it off fairly sharpish should I say but uh, great to see her continued success and uh, great continuation of the success on the Irish female music scene Erica Cody's coming your way in a few moments time because um, Irish Women at Harmony performed on the EP stage over the weekend it's great to see such solidarity amongst all those up and coming and some already very well established female artists um, I'll also be asking Erica a question about um, Eurovision something she sort of half hinted at and I thought I'll get her on and uh, I'll ask her the question when we're in public and, and she can't go back on the answer that's coming your way in about five minutes time but uh, I'm glad she can't launch a, a new public competition to 400 clerical officers nationwide uh, commencing today the 6th of September on guard she has today launched that public competition the roles are available in a range of areas such as HRIT finance and procurement along with uh, intelligence internal audits, communications, and so on and so on. There's full-time, part-time, permanent and temporary positions all available, full training be provided, and it's quoted as saying, it's a great opportunity to join our growing number of Garda staff um, who play an important role in supporting operational Garda colleagues in keeping people safe, said a Garda spokesman. Um, the application is available up on, on the Garda's website. You'll be able to check it out there. We've got all the details on it as well. If you are considering uh, changing careers and moving into the Guards, but maybe don't want to be in uniform out on the beat, well, this is the way to go. Help and support the lads and ladies that are out on the beat by getting involved that way. Uh, applications must be submitted before the 3pm on Wednesday the 20th of September obviously usual sort of things in terms of CVs to be sent in experience and so like that I'm not going to read here on the radio this morning but just to say if you do know somebody who's looking at a change of career or maybe it's something that might be interested in you uh, the guards are looking for you and in a positive way I don't mean in a negative way and we're actually looking for you here at KCLR because we've got our very own wedding fair coming up our wedding showcase happening on Thursday the 28th of September between 5 and nine. Uh, it's going to be a great evening because it's actually taking place in the Medieval Mile Museum, so it's got a f- fantastic location, first of all. If you're getting married or thinking about getting married, or maybe even thinking about proposing or thinking about being proposed to, um, sure, three hours, four hours of, of an evening uh, during the week, it's uh, something you could pop along to enjoy um, all the different exhibitions that are on there. Admission is free. Um, all you've got to do is get in contact with us here through our social media pages to enrol. And doing that, enrolling and popping along, not only will get you um, access to many, many fabulous venues and wedding suppliers all in one location, all in one evening, um, right here in the middle of Kilkenny. It'll also get you in a draw for a €1,000 holiday voucher. So do check that out. Visit KCLR social media platforms. Check out the wedding showcase. And sure, I might even see you there myself. 22 minutes past 11, I'll be back. Uh, sorry, 32 minutes past 11, I'll be back with Erica Cody in just a moment. KCLR Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yeah, you're very welcome back. Keep those texts coming in on Dr. Noel Coleman, Noctor. As I said, a great book. We'll be talking, we're talking off air actually um, about the whole approach to parenting. 
and uh, pushing the kids too much, not pushing them enough. So you see, we might pop back in and have another chat about that at some point in the future. Um, but to leave that alone for now and move on to things musical, because obviously Electric Picnic's well over now at this stage. Um, I think even most people that were there have probably just about recovered. Um, but one thing that I was brilliant to see on stage again was Irish Women in Harmony. I've talked about the fact that to see so many women who are all in a competing industry, let's be honest with it, uh, coming together in such solidarity is uh, a mark of respect to them all. And somebody who was up on the stage with Irish Women in Harmony at Electric Picnic this weekend, uh, I nearly said our very own Erica Cody, because I feel like I nearly own you at this stage. Erica Cody, you're very welcome along. <laughs> Hiya, Brian. How are you? That happens with anybody who's been on Dancing with the Stars. They all join the family. Did you get your membership card yet? Uh, it's still in the post. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, take <laughs> us back to Electric Picnic this weekend. Irish Women in Harmony. Uh, I mean, I, I, I pulled off the list of names, yeah. uh, but it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. There must have been 20. It really is. Yeah, I think there was, I think there was 22 in total. Um mm including the band and stuff as well. It was It's just magic getting to share the stage with so many incredibly talented and influential women. Um, you know, it, it, it truly is an honour, and I mean that when I say it, because everybody has something to contribute in some type of special way. Um, and yeah, it's been so long. You know, we had so many plans during COVID and post-COVID. And then, yeah, COVID got in the way and it was nice to finally get us all on one stage together um, and celebrate, you know, the, the greats, whether it was from, from you know, Dolores O'Reard and Sinead O'Connor and, and Christy Dignam. Um, yeah, it, it was super special. And, you know, I think we're all trying to relive it in any way that we can again because yeah. yeah. it's been so long. We've done so much since then and achieved so much. And it felt like a celebration. And I think people really... Um, it came through on stage the messages and support and everything that came after it was just incredible because Irish Women Harmony Me was really it was really a, I hope I'm right in saying it was a child of yeah. the punk really wasn't it because yeah it um, was so you mustn't have had a lot of chance to actually physically interact with one another as it was all coming together no I'd say in, in, all in all I'd say you, we could probably count on one hand how many times that we've actually kind of been together performance wise um, whether it was on TV or for, for a gig or a, a corporate thing. Um, so, yeah, it's every time we get together, it really does feel like a celebration because, you know, at the end of the day, it's we, we, the reason Irish Women in Harmony was put together in the first place, but a shout out to Ruth Ann, who is just an absolute powerhouse when it comes to the collective. She's the person who's behind all the vocal arrangements. And then we had Karen Cowley, known as Cree from, you know, Wyvern Lingo. And she was part of the, the band. She was our band leader on Sunday. There's just so much put into it. And it's all because we love to do what we do. And if we can do it for a greater cause as well, that's just, that that's a bonus, you know. And, you know, part of the reason was we, we set up the collective in the first place was to highlight how many amazing Irish female talent that we have here in Ireland because not a lot of, not enough people know. Um, and, you know, it, it, it really does kind of come across, you know, sometimes when we see lineups for festivals and there's not many women on them and like things have gotten better since but for you know 22 Irish female artists to be standing on one stage celebrating each other and celebrating the past and the present um, I think that's a, a huge a huge step in the right direction and yeah. it's it's so it's so needed you know representation is everything it's a fabulous balance because you know it's not just 
I hope they won't mind me saying this and don't tell them I did, right? But it's not just the young up and coming ones because you've got you've got Everyone. very established artists in there, Eleanor McAvoy, Imelda May, who by the way, don't yeah. tell her I've got a massive crush on Imelda May. I've got a <laughs> massive crush on Imelda May. Um what do you all get yeah, from yeah. one another? <laughs> what do you all get from one another when you know you're in a rehearsal studio together or, or up on stage like that? I think it's we just we get each other and I think that's the most important thing we've all kind of walked the same walk I suppose when it comes to being women in the music industry you know we all have a story we all have our moments and it's it's just that sense of true solidarity and understanding and passion you know we do it because we love to do it and the fact that we get to do it together is is a bonus and so any chance we get to be able to perform together is truly and I really mean that when I say it it really is an honour and you know it's funny because people are like oh my god how can so many women work together because we just do we <laughs> yeah. just do it's women not all cat fights it doesn't can... have to be does it no but like we can share space there's enough room for everybody and I think that's the main message behind this is that it doesn't mean just one woman has to be on and up there can literally be 22 you know it yeah. makes absolutely no difference there's so much to offer Right. across the board and that's not to go without saying you know we love our male counterparts and you know what did like everyone is so talented in their own different way and it's not women against men or anything like that it's just i've i've often said this and you can vouch for me when i say this brian mm-hmm. and i, I kind of said this throughout dance with the stars you know representation is everything when you see it you believe it. and we do what we do because we want other young women and girls and anybody um no matter how they identify to show them that like look that you can do whatever you set your mind to because we've all been there i've been in the crowds at ep and dreamt about being on a main stage before and to do it with 22 other women who have had the same goal um that's why i say it's yeah an honor. it's a great collective i mean to look up and to see uh, okay they're all women but that's just what the mm-hmm. nature of it is but they're all from yeah. you know different socioeconomic backgrounds different racial backgrounds mm-hmm. different sexual yeah. orientations and it, it's mm-hmm. like if i'm a woman at ep looking up there i'm going well one of them represents me and they're all exactly. up there together it's exactly. fantastic you know yeah, yeah it really from really is brilliant before we get on to erica cody herself you just mentioned there the <laughs> challenges that are faced uh, by women in the music industry uh, as somebody who's on the periphery of that I'm shocked to hear that there are still women in the music industry experiencing challenges what are the challenges um, that are being experienced by women oh god well look how much time do we have about 20 minutes we're on air till 12 o'clock we can go all the way till the end if we want to Eric it's you know what I mean it's it's just being a woman comes with its challenges anyway but i think it's how we overcome them and what we do to make things better and irish women in harmony is one of those things where we just want to make things better and have that representation there and have the support for other women in the industry because it before irish women in harmony i only speak for myself when i say this and i'd say some women would agree is that it it does feel it can feel quite isolating sometimes and you do feel that you know there's only room for one woman on this bill and then maybe one woman on the other bill and it it it, it creates a kind of sense of competitiveness that's kind of unnecessary and i think the beautiful thing about irish women in harmony is just like we we can all work together it doesn't have like obviously there's a competitiveness when it comes to the industry in general it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman yeah. you know everyone's kind of wants the top spot and, and whatever else or they do it for their own reasons but the magical thing about irish women in harmony is that you know we are genuinely there to support one another no matter how baffling that has come across 
to anybody because you know there is always this myth of you know oh women are divas and women can't work together and it's not true you know women can't <laughs> well, it's not work always together. true it's not <laughs> always true there are some <laughs> out there but uh, no erica no. erica there are some but but what the point i'm going to make is no more right. than there are when it comes to the male side of the business there's some divas on exactly. the male side of the business and there's some divas exactly. on the exactly yeah. true but you know at the end of the day we're there to 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 know that to, well to let other women know that like look we are all here and we all support one another yeah. and everybody is welcome yeah brilliant now, so moving on to you um, you've been <laughs> would you giggle like that now that sounds like God, you've got we well that sounds like you've got something to tell me that you're trying to avoid telling me I'm turning into a psychotherapist now that I'm spending time on this radio show I tell you um, you're doing hugely successful things in the music industry where you know oh, you. your hit last year Love Like This we played it a lot on the station we're going to play yeah. it again in a few moments time actually Thank but you so um, you've, you've also been doing some stuff in TV as well presenting um, yeah. music based shows and others um, are you enjoying yeah. that? I am and you know what it is I'm enjoying it because it's in my world and it's what I know and it's also given me an opportunity to really be involved in you know helping put emerging artists and established artists on you know literally the main stage of of me and Danny O'Reilly's show that we yeah. had last year like it was a total honour we absolutely loved it um, and just being able to play a part in that in some way was, you know, absolutely fantastic. Because as I said, like Ireland has so much talent and we've come so far. There's such an eagle eye on, on Ireland at the moment. So to play a small part in that, to to give people a primetime, you know, slot on a on a primetime TV show in the national broadcast, you know, it's pretty... Um, it's it, it was pretty special but sure look it's showbiz we don't know what's coming and going <laughs> I, I can only hope that it will be back at some stage yeah. but until then i'm still gonna be you know working away doing my thing and um, yeah, just working on lots of new music. And, and listen, tell me, Greg, talking about endeavors. Yeah, a whole bunch of endeavors, and that's why I wanted to come on to it as well, right? And it wasn't <laughs> the main reason I wanted to speak to you is just because you're a legend. But anyway, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you this question. You just said yes when I told you you're a legend. You're supposed to go. Ah, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're a legend. <laughs> oh, James, we're all legends. Great, isn't it? Anyway, listen. Um, you recently apparently told VIP mm-hmm. magazine. Do you know what I'm going to say? Yeah, I have some I big plans, and I'm hoping they're going to be Eurovision based. Yeah. I'm interested in doing it. And you have a song. I've got a big song and I've got big plans. And I hope they take me to Sweden. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> have you been into yeah. Knock on the Doors and RTE to, to, to anybody in there yet? Because I know there's a selection process to go through. But uh, surely, oh, surely you must know somebody in there that process. you can go and speak to. <laughs> it's a whole process, you know. And I think having seen Wild Youth go through it and stuff as well last year, I'm like... Well, they I'm went through it, like Erica. And this is what I'm... I, I, this, yeah. they, they went through it I mean they challenges to face yeah, off stage you have to go through it you yeah. know you have to go through it. it at the end of the day you know you, you're going to compete for a spot to represent your country it's a bit of a big deal you know and it's not something that I take lightly if I'm going to do it I'm not going to you know half ass it it's going to be you know all guns blazing and it'll be a full production it'll be something I'd be giving them something international which is and to do that for my country I'd be completely honoured um, but yeah I've got the vision I've got the song and I definitely have a big plan mm. pre and post what's the name of the song um, I can't tell you uh, I, I can't, can't say I just thought I'd throw that. that in casually <laughs> hoping that you might sort of forget that we're actually on the radio rather than on the phone you happen to it's, one of the... it's, all I will say is yeah it's an anthem it's 
anthem. Well, listen, good luck with that. You're very brave to take that on, but I, I know how brave you are anyway. Erica Cody, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Good luck Thank and, so and keep Brian. everything ticking over. Um, keep all those spates, plates spinning. Um, and we'll mm-hmm. talk to you again soon. Uh, Erica Cody joining us, talking about uh, Irish Women in Harmony at EP at the weekend. And uh, she has plans. She has plans. Well, I've got plans as well. <laughs> Erica, take care. Here's your Thanks one. Thanks so much, Brian. Love Like This by Erica Cody. People got a lot to say. I've been staying in my lane. That's me. Yeah, they thought that I was about to play these games. But their opinions, no thing, none of my business. Eric Cody with Love Like This. It's uh, coming up on 10 minutes to 12 o'clock this morning. Um, yeah, interesting. She, I have to say, I, I know Erica rather than just the interviews. She is genuinely lovely and I wish her every success in the future. Uh, particularly if she's going off to represent Ireland at the Eurovision. Uh, I might have to twist my wife's arm and get even her to watch. Eurovision is always a battle in our house. I'm the one that watches it. Jen won't have a bar of it. But I tell you what, if Erica Cody's going to the Eurovision, we'll be watching it in our house. Uh, we're going to take a short break after which I've got some texts from you guys to read out and uh, lots more besides. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Yes, you're very welcome back to KCR Live this morning. Just to update you on the situation regarding that fatal road road traffic accident on the N80 this morning. Um, As of a couple of minutes ago, the N80 still remains closed and is likely to remain as such right throughout the afternoon. So um, do bear that in mind. Our thoughts and condolences, as we said earlier on, with the family and friends of uh, the deceased. Some interesting comments coming in on our discussion earlier on with Dr. Coleman Nocter. Um, Some people say, it's great to hear such simplistic advice um, from a professional. Yeah, he is a professional and the advice is simplistic. And uh, a regular texter to the show also agree. Everything in moderation is the way to live your life. And that's sort of what Dr. Nocter was talking about. You know, not needing to be, I'm fantastic every part of every day. Not a healthy place to be. The four to seven zone uh, is what Dr. Coleman was talking about. Uh, we're going to take a piece of music to take us up towards the news at 12 o'clock. Uh, a band coming to Ireland next year caused huge stress in many houses with people trying to get tickets. Coldplay with him for the weekend. Coldplay with him for the weekend. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. It is only Wednesday, but um, I suppose that's three days done. They they traditionally call this hump day. I don't like that phrase because no day should be a hump day, but uh, we are over it nonetheless. Uh, Text in um, from a regular listener, Marion Dalton, Carlo IFR Sheep Chair. She's asking, uh, due to concern from sheep farmers over yet another dog attack, on sheep, they're asking all owners to ensure their dogs are under control at 
all times. I'm sure something that Samantha Rawson, our, our regular dog expert, uh, would agree with. Do keep them under control. Um, farmers, sheep, everything else. And for everybody's safety, uh, do watch them out there. It's been a pleasure having your company this morning. We've some great guests on. Um, Circa Clark, uh, Sinn Féin TD, visiting Carlo and Kilkenny, popped in to tell us what she expects Sinn Féin to achieve um, in the area of education, should they take up government. Um, Jimmy Dooley and Mohammed Rafiq from Carlo Cricket Club. Uh, great to have them in talking about the successes of the club, not just on the field, but more importantly, off the field. Garda Lisa Mullins for Community Assist today. Dr. Coleman Nocter on his book, The Four to Seven Zone, and Erica Cody talking all things women in harmony and women in the music business. Uh, John Keane is on the way after 12. He's got lots more music for you coming between 12 and 4. Trishana Archer is up after that. I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow. Thanks to all of the team. Thanks to uh, Siobhan on phones. Thanks to Edna Quirk for putting the show together. Uh, thanks to, to Molly Coogan working away tirelessly in the background. Heading back to college tomorrow. Oh, I don't know whether I'm jealous um, or sad. Either way, uh, Molly, thanks for all your help. Uh, and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 10. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie.